0: Welcome to Paintbrush and Ivories, the podcast for artists and curious creatives that connects creativity with the heart and soul. I'm Michelle Walker and I'm here with my creative soul sister, Jennifer Ruth Russell. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Michelle. So glad to be talking with you today. Welcome everyone. (laughs) Hello, everyone. And today's topic is some of the best tools that we use in our craft. And I don't know about you, but two things. One is right now I'm packing up my studio. So I'm, I've got my hands on all these different tools that I love and adore that I use for different things. And they're all going into boxes. But the other thing is, I have such stories connected with some of them. And I thought, I know that you do a totally different medium and have a totally different performance expression to me, but it would be kind of fun to find out about what are your beloved tools, Jen? And maybe share some of the stories about mine. So how does that sound?
1: That sounds great. Do you want to go first?
0: I will. And I want to talk about my jewelry making because I happen to have spent a bit of time with my silversmithing and my enamelling just recently. So I want to share some of the joys that I've had and some of the best tools I've got have either been gifted to me from other silversmiths, which I love, or they've been kind of built and put together. So I'm thinking of my favourite tree stump. So if anyone out there is a jeweller or a silversmith, you will know the tree stump because the tree stump's in the studio to have the steel block or maybe your anvil. And when I did a big cleanup refresh of my studio in a year ago, I purloined my husband to help me, and we got a secondhand leather belt from a charity store and drilled holes in the belt, fixed it to the side so I could pop all my hammers that I would be using at the steel block or the anvil. And so it kind of looks gorgeous all in itself. It's got this whole sculptural sense, and it's such a big lump of wood. I mean, the purpose of the tree stump is just to be really stable and to deaden the sound when you're doing a lot of percussion hammering, but it's such a beautiful item in itself. So that was one of the things, and it's a real, excuse my French, bugger to move because it's so damn heavy. It's got, <laughs> it weighs a ton. But that's also its beauty because that's why it's so solid is because of its weight. So the tree stump is one of my favorites. And I do have a couple of favourite hammers that go with that and I realised that I've been jewellery making and silversmithing for 20 years this year so I have this deep love of hammering metal and I have a couple Mm. of uh, forging hammers that I did some work with a, a really accomplished nationally very famous silversmith David Clayton for a couple of years and his work he taught me how to take bar or a rod of metal and turn them into what's called flatware, which is spoons and forks and knives. I had a particular love of making spoons and ladles. So I've got a forging hammer that really does the work and I adore that hammer. So that's also another one of my favourites. Probably the third one for my jewellery is my kiln. And the thing I love about my kiln was I accidentally bought it you know, one of those auction systems on the net and I found this kiln, I was looking for a kiln and I I popped in a bid and about two days later I discovered I'd bought a kiln. And what made it (laughs) funny was I had no idea that it was the exact kiln I wanted because the lady, when she put it out, up for auction, she used the wrong descriptor. She actually used the temperature management gauge name, not the brand of the kiln. So I thought I'd bought a dud. I, I was terrified that I'd just paid hundreds and hundreds of dollars for this thing that was going to turn up and I wouldn't be of, it wouldn't necessarily be what I wanted. And when it came, it turned out it was like the Rolls-Royce of Kilns. And I was overjoyed. I really felt like the universe, <laughs> the universe had sort of navigated and steered me. And nobody else had seen it because it wasn't branded Rolls-Royce of Kilns. It was branded this. Sort obtuse you know brand of attire equivalent so I was um, overjoyed and that kiln and I have done a bit of traveling and a bit of teaching and it comes with me it's very portable and it's incredibly reliable and I feel I feel very connected to it it's a lovely thing to have that connection with a tool and to Mm. know some of it I'm not saying I know all of its abilities because I haven't really stretched it in lots of different ways but for what I use it for I love and adore it because it just is so reliable and it does exactly what I need it to do. Do you have tools like that? I know they're outer object type tools to start the conversation off with, but what about you, Jen? What have you got?
1: My tools are much more simple, I will say, and they're not as many of them, but I will tell you that my love is the piano. Yeah, You know, the piano. I didn't realize this until I was probably my mid-50s I was at a, some kind of event and I was, I was playing the piano behind a ceremony or something. And I just had this love come up from all these years of playing the piano. And I just realized how much I love the piano. Mm-hmm. I adore the piano. So it is one of my main tools. I have to remember not to go to the piano to begin with if I'm writing a certain kind of song. But I'd love to just go to the piano and play around and just play and play and play. That is one of my, you know, most fun things to do to just loosen everything up and also to change. It's like a prayer. It changes your vibration. And I got a keyboard, an MX-61 Yamaha. Who makes this keyboard and it weighs only 10 pounds and it sounds incredible and <laughs> after hauling around heavy keyboards my whole life i can just pick this up put it over my head if i want to <laughs> And to me, it is just one of the most delicious things to be able to travel, get the sounds I want. And this beautiful keyboard, it doesn't only come with amazing sounds, but has rhythms in it. It allows uh, Michael and I to do a duo with rhythm. It's a lot of fun to use, and it it totally intimidated me for a while. But I always remember it's only 10 pounds, (laughs) and and it can go with me anywhere I go. It can sit on my lap easily on the bed if I need to do that just plug in some headphones so I can hear it. It's good to go. And I can put it on my back. The The case that it came with came with some straps that I can put on like a backpack and it just makes me feel very smart. So that's my number one tool, mm-hmm. I have to tell
0: you. So it's the antithesis of my tree stump then?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely.
0: It's interesting how we create a connection with our tools, isn't it? I find You know, when I talk to other artists and see them in their making of their craft and where they've got this incredible affinity. And I love that when I feel that with a tool and I'm really much more conscious now when I get something new that, oh, I don't have that connection yet. So I'm much more likely to be gentle and slow and attentive because I don't have that connection yet but almost like I breathe the expectation that that's possible and that that's coming rather than an immediate frustration because it doesn't feel right. The other thing that I love, you know, talking about the more sophisticated tools that we've talked about or maybe even the more expensive ones, I also have a love of very simple things, uh, which I'm sure you have as well. And my equivalent is I think about my painting practice, And I have, you know, I have a deep love of my Catalyst wedge. So for any painters out there listening, they will probably recognize the brand Catalyst. And a wedge is almost like a bowl scraper that you use in the kitchen, but you can push areas of paint around and it's very, there's something about it's very different to a brush and I really adore that. But I also like a stick. I like something that I've just picked up dipped in my acrylic ink and scratched around. And I think it reminds me of a story of a drawing teacher that I went to quite a while ago now, Chris, and he was delightful and he believed that anything was possible and that if you wanted to, you could grab your work boot and dip that in the inkwell and scratch that around. And that was also drawing, you know, this mark-making and I'm a bit of a lover of mark making from a rudimentary sense, you know, things that really express who we are by literally putting paint or pen to a page. So there's that gorgeous spectrum, you know, the, the sort of affinity that we get with with tools over time, but also that we can have really sophisticated highly developed ones but we can have really rudimentary ones and they can both be you know in that in that breadth of spectrum there's really a whole lot of possibilities so my painting i have a whole set of other tools which i have grown to enjoy and one of the things that crosses over for me is a sketchbook and i i really i take a lot of notes in both of my art practices i draw ideas I record the things that I I use. So, for example, if I'm putting together some enamelling pieces, I'll keep a record of all the colours that I use for certain pieces so that I don't forget. Chances are I won't forget, but it's become a habit because now that I'm recording my palette for my painting practice, it's just sort of crossed over. So I run several sketchbooks and I think my sketchbooks are another really important tool for me to be able to harvest what I'm learning capture what I'm doing do you have an equivalent of a sketchbook notebook I do yeah I
1: do and you know talk about simple and meaningful when I have an idea for a melody let's say just a, a short I am the cosmic diamond violet flame if I get that little motif I go to this book and I make sure that I notate it down then I go to the the piano, and this book was given to me by a dear friend. Her name is Susan J. Paul, and she has actually shuffled off the mortal coil and uh, has been on the other side since 2014. She was a prolific songwriter, an artist. She was like you and I combined, a <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, most creative soul. And she gave me this book with just a a, a really very tasty notation in the front. And I love this book. And I've only used half of the book because I wait to go to that book until I really have a solid idea. And then I have another beautiful hand-bound book that I use for my lyrics. Mm -hmm. And that book is made out of hand-formed paper. Mm -hmm. And Susan used to do this a lot. She used to make her own paper. So this paper is It is so uh, absorbent that I have to be careful what I use them. I can even see pencil. I use pencil a lot. You know, number two pencil is my go-to tool. But I love to just keep my lyrics in one place, my notation in one place. And, of course, they come together if the song needs that. But those two books are just precious for me. Of course, I'm going to talk a little bit about lyrics because lyrics, as lyrics come... My two tools for lyrics, and that this is only if I get stuck, because a lot of songs that I write do not need to rhyme, but sometimes they do. And so I have a wonderful old rhyming dictionary I love. I love to just get a, a, dictionary, a, a rhyming dictionary out, too. And, of course, you can get apps for them now. But I like old ones you can feel and look it up because they have, like, three-syllable words all the way to four-syllable words. Or you could just start with one syllable. Right, and then you can see all these words that are really true rhymes. If you do any lyrics for Broadway, they have to be a true rhyme, like low and glow. It has to be a true rhyme. It can't be low and I think so. You know, it, it can't be no. Those are actually real rhymes, but a, a not a real rhyme is something that kinda sounds like.
0: <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so you
1: can get away with it, right? If you're you're doing pop songs. But it's so much fun to go to the rhyming dictionary and just go down and get, you know, it it stimulates ideas. And also, Soros is a beautiful resource for the meaning of words. Mm -hmm. So, you know, words, if you really get into words, you start fine tuning, going down to what could I use here? Because in songwriting, you want to bring the seed of the idea. You don't have a lot of space to say, well, this is what it really means, right? You want to know what it means and put that in as a really, like, it's like power piece of a puzzle. So the thesaurus is just a beautiful tool that I love. And it's wonderful to just look up words and how many different words came and how many words were used to get there. And I mean, it's just, if you're a wordsmith, it's wonderful. So those are all the books. <laughs> <laughs> The books. And of course, there's online programs to notate music. If you're getting to that place where you need to notate music for others to use, for mm-hmm. others to sing that song or use that song, or if you're going to play with a band, you need to take a chart with you to hand them and say, this is what I want. And you need to know what you're doing. Because yeah. if you don't, then rehearsal is going to last for two hours. And usually <laughs> you only have 10 or 15 minutes to get it together. <laughs>
0: That's so interesting. I never knew there was such a thing as a rhyming dictionary. How Mm -hmm. interesting. And I also use the thesaurus, love that word, the thesaurus, for when I'm thinking about titles. So I have a list on my iPad and just every now and then I'll get a phrase that really anchors into me for something that I really enjoy, that I resonate with, that I feel really kind of is in, in style with my work. And I'm thinking specifically of painting titles, but I've started titling and naming my jewellery range so that I can say, you know, this is one of my daydreamer earrings that you've just bought and you've got the ultramarine blue ones. So I'm finding it really very useful to one, keep a list of painting titles that resonate with me and at times, to go delving into the thesaurus to find phrases and words that really I do feel express what I'm trying to express. So it's sort of in line with my intention. I love that. While I'm thinking about tools, it reminds me of one of the internal tools that I use, which is all around the power of intentions and being really aware and conscious and much more interested in exploring what sits behind the work that I'm doing, because that leads to and informs lots of things, including painting titles, including perhaps what sort of new ways and new directions I want to explore. So that's a really powerful internal tool that I've been using much more in the last few months. And I know we've talked about it before on the podcast, And that's something that you and I share, isn't it? That real consciousness and awareness about our intentions as one of the tools behind our craft.
1: Yes. You know, the main tool that is always behind everything that I do is uh, songs that open the heart. So the song coming through, you know, one of my first teachers in songwriting, Jack Smalley, he would say, the best melodies are ones that you hear in your head, right? They're not ones that you go and you you try to riff around on the keyboard and say, oh, that's kind of cool. But it's really something that you can sing in your head. And that's why many times I will just wait to get the idea before I go to the piano to try to craft it to the next step. And if it opens my heart, I know it's going to open everybody else's heart. If it touches me, it's going to touch other people's heart. Yeah. And then when I get to a certain place in a song, when I feel like I've owned it and this is an important part for me. It's a tool that I finally learned because I used to go and share it too soon and not be strong in the song. But if I have owned it and it's my song and I feel that click in my heart, then I go and share it with Michael who's also my producer and also my partner in life and I get to get a feedback from him or feedback from somebody else. But I think that's an important part too. Is this, is this relevant? Is this relatable? Is can you can you hear me? And there's some songs that he hasn't been able to hear at all. And yet they become some of my most popular songs, like the Honopono prayer chant. And um, I have learned not to always listen to him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. <laughs> yes, and you don't absolutely. go to your keyboard straight away. Is that right? You you feel like it comes through mentally. You've got you've got it in you before you start to play with the keyboard. It comes in
1: both ways. Yeah. But even if I go and sit at the piano, I try not to pick out the melody. I might start with just a chord on the piano and see what's playing around that chord. But also, what is this song wanting to be? It already has a signature before you even start, right? You know that with paintings. It's like, is it want to be wispy and light and kind of like a waltz? Does it want to be a march? Does it want to be something that's like a like a power ballad? Does it, is it something that we have to proclaim from the mountaintop? Or is it going to be a whisper of intimacy? Mm. You know I mean, it's, it's really wonderful to get into the feeling tone. And of course, sometimes you just are playing around and something pops up. And that's always fun too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The internal process and allowing it to have its own space rather than trying to chase it down. I love... I love the idea I've always recognized this sort of wisdom of Michelangelo who said you know that David was there in the block of marble my job was just to remove the bits that weren't that beautiful statue and I feel like very similar the work itself has its own has its own expression and really wants to come through and my job is to be attentive to that and to see Rather than force and push when it's trying to be a wispy painting and I'm trying to make it a strident painting, for example, you know, that sort of combination following what's coming through. That's part of the process that I adore about abstract landscapes is that I don't go in with a formula or a fixed view. I get informed and delighted by what emerges. Although I recognize sometimes it gets to the messy middle, I'm still. I'm still able to show people stuff that's messy and ugly in its ugly phase because I kind of don't mind. I know it's going somewhere and it's just that the big lady hasn't sung yet. You know, that's why it's not Mm. beautiful. It's because we're not finished. So what are some of the other tools? I know you're also recording music. You're recording your morning light meditations. You've got other tools in your kit that you use for across your endeavors.
1: Yeah, I want to speak about into both of those, because there's two different things that are coming up when you ask that question. The first is when I do morning light meditations. It truly is a a meditation for me. And my number one tool is listening, Mm -hmm. really listening deeply. And to see if there's a message from Mother Mary, or what is in the field that wants to be answered. You know, what do I feel is, uh, as I sense into what humanity is going through, like, is there something that is really being called for? And then my number one tool is the iPad. Yes. <laughs> and I have a cool little keyboard that I can just listen and type. And, and that has been such a gift. That iPad and that keyboard has been the tool that just allows my fingers to, to take the words in. It's almost like I feel like I'm just a giant L. I'm receiving from the vertical line and I'm putting out with a horizontal line with my fingers on that keyboard. And then recording. When I do a light language song, I have everybody leave the studio and I really go in there and I actually play and sing at the same time. And downloading the intention, you talked about that already. The intention, I have a whole process I go through before of really anchoring into what this song is going to be for. Like downloading the opulence light codes. Those absolutely were instilled in me in a morning and I went and I played them in to Logic Pro was the uh, tool that we use to record and then I just fine-tuned it from there with Michael you know Michael's getting tools all the time and it sometimes it upsets me because he is such a he wants to get the perfect sound right And so I think we've gotten the perfect sound and then he orders a new plugin. And so the perfect sound has to go through a whole synthesis (laughs) again (laughs) to be mastered, you know? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, but it was sounded perfect back here. You know, and it's like, (laughs) no, we have to get this new tool integrated. (laughs) So recording is really, you know, when I'm doing a regular pop song or let's say a jazz or, or whatever it is, when I'm doing a song like that, listening back to the recording is it's a, a powerful tool you know mm. to just fine tune it and and while this isn't working let's take this out this is working let's take that out and, but let's keep this you know and it usually is more about taking out than putting more in
0: mm. so there is a role for technology isn't there because i'm i'm a ditto on the ipad the ipad is an extension of all of my creative pursuits i've got all sorts of threads and and harvests of of gems in sitting on my iPad. So it's definitely part of my being, you know, so I feel like <laughs> I, I do all sorts of creative activities. Like I can do video edits and I can jot down ideas for podcast episodes and I can keep a list of my painting titles. And I've got two favorite apps that I use all the time. One is graphic where I can manipulate. I take an image of my painting at the end of the day out of the studio And then in the evening, as I'm sort of relaxing after dinner, I can have a play and I don't always do that process, but it's something that I can do on my iPad. And that's what I use the graphic app. And the other app that I use all the time is paper, which is like having a bookshelf of little sketchbooks and I have different sketchbooks for different purposes And I've got one called Shiny Things, which is where I draw all my jewellery designs. So that's a virtual sketchbook rather than a real one. The ones we were talking about earlier, I was actually meaning physical walk around in your hand type sketchbooks. But Mm -hmm. those apps and that bit of technology just expands a way of being creative and a way of doing both of my art practices, both my painting and my jewellery and enamelling, which... I find interesting so yes I'm a big yes on the iPad and how much that's become a part of my life really in the 11 years since I've got it all the functionality that was sitting on a laptop which I kind of put up with not having in the early days is now all on my iPad everything Mm -hmm. you know it's just amazing the the sort of evolution of these technologies so you know the equivalent of of the different apps and so forth that you can get through your music recording and synthesis type add-ons it's all now on the ipad's got its own version of all those things too it's very convenient and very lightweight
1: yeah
0: what other things have you got in mind when we think about tools anything else that you want to add before we wrap i think i've
1: covered everything that's present with me today so i'm sure there's more but that's that's what's coming up today
0: I love your 2 be pencil is your go-to. That, that reminded me of the simplicity of those things. So when we think about our tools, they've got to be in service for us. And I think one of the traps as artists is that we think we need all these things and we need the sort of the latest and the greatest. But what really matters to me is the ones that I feel a connection with or the ones I feel inspired to make a part of my practice and then... If I do that consciously and if I do that mindfully, then I'm okay to purchase that other thing, that try out, that new thing, rather than just doing it perhaps less consciously or less aware and just feeling like we need it. Because buying art materials and buying art stuff can be a whole (laughs) separate pastime (laughs) and time expender and money expender, quite separate from the making of art, I have discovered. So Mm -hmm. so I think that's kind of I think that's a good thing to remember. And our tools are really part of who we are when we come to practice our craft. And so it's really been interesting hearing about your favorite tools, Jen. And I hope everyone enjoys listening to this episode. And if you've got a favorite tool for your art practice, we'd love to hear about it. And if it's got a story attached, that would be a delight for us. So thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jen. It's great to chat with you. Thank you, Michelle. Yes. We say farewell to everyone until we talk again. Sending you a ton of love until next time. Bye for now. Bye for now.